This is the Easy Living Yards podcast. I'm Ben Hale, your host that doesn't always get it right. Let's jump in and learn how to have a healthy, beautiful yard with less work so you can enjoy more time doing what you love. What's up and welcome to episode 54 of the Easy Living Yards podcast. Today we are going to be talking about me. That's right. We're going to be talking about my mistakes, my DIY landscaping mistakes today. And so I just want you to learn that even somebody like me who's crazy about landscaping can still make some blunders, still makes mistakes, and that's okay. And the best we do is pick ourselves up, try and fix the best we can, and move forward. So we're going to be talking about my DIY landscaping mistakes today. Before that, we're going to cover a few topics. First, if you guys haven't heard already, I am opening up my Easy Living Yards membership very soon. As of the time this podcast episode comes out, because, you know, I kind of pre-record some of these, uh, you know, these these things aren't coming out live, right? But anyway, so by the time this episode comes out, Likely the founding membership will be closed. So I'll be working with a special group of founders that have a special founders rate and they get super close access with me. They get to influence the initial development of the membership and what it is and how valuable it is and really kind of, you know, kick the tires a little bit and and help me, uh, you know, get get the membership the best possible before we open it up. Now, we will be opening up the membership very soon. And if you want to be one of those first members to get in and to really make a positive change in your landscape, you can always go over to ely.how slash membership. And likely by the time this episode comes out, what I'll have is a, a just a quick wait list where you can kind of just sign up to get notified as soon as I'm launching the membership. That way you can get in and make a positive difference in your landscape. And just so you know what this membership is about is it's it's really about giving you the confidence, the know-how, and the support you need to transform your landscape for the better. So if you're looking to really make a positive change in your landscape this year, this membership is for you. And what we're doing with this membership is I will be in there with the rest of the community and we'll be giving each other the support we need. And when we have questions, helping each other out, I'll be in there providing answers. You'll get access to me with member calls where you can ask direct questions to me and I will be answering your questions. And so this will basically help you step by step through the process of your landscape transformation into a beautiful low maintenance landscape that you can love and you can be proud of. And, you know, the cool thing about this membership is, is part of the reason why I'm doing this is I want to be more accessible to more people. So I have, you know, before this, I've offered a premium consultation and my consultation is normally $99 an hour. I get it. That's pretty steep. So this membership is a much more affordable price where you can still get access to me. You still get the support you need and you can, you can transform your landscape kind of on a like an on-demand basis. And so that's really cool. So if you're interested in this, enough talking about it right now, go over to ely.how slash membership and you'll find out more info there. And also, of course, I'll have a link in the show notes if you want to check it out. All right. So the second thing is today's favorite plant. Now it's February, right? It's, it's, 
February 13th. So happy pre-Valentine's Day. Hint, hint to all you dudes out there. If you got a special uh, lady in your life, make sure, you know, even if she says she doesn't care about it, she probably does. That's the reality. It's just just part of life now. Um, and thanks a lot, Hallmark. Um, taking away, you know, spontaneity and, you know, adding a sense of obligation to things like this. Anyway, enough with that rant. But just hint, hint, it might be nice to do something special, a special gesture, at least say a nice word um, tomorrow. So, um, so with that, there's two reasons I chose this plant today. One is that tomorrow is Valentine's Day. And two is that this plant has some beautiful winter interest. And that is the American Beautyberry. So, of course, you know, Beautyberry, Valentine's Day, I get it. It's a bit of a stretch. But anyway, this is the Beautyberry is a, a beautiful bush, um, especially in the late fall and early winter. Now, unfortunately, it's really tough to get a lot of interest interest in late winter. And so I kind of, you know, I'm stretching it a little bit here because likely if you grow you're in the right climate for a beauty berry and you grow it, you likely won't have the beautiful berries on it um, in February. But that all said, at least through December, um, usually you got something there. So let me talk more about this plant and why I love it. And I wish I had it in my landscape. We actually were planning on putting this, we were debating about whether to put this shrub as a primary focal point or another shrub as the primary focal point in our new front yard garden design. And we chose the other one, which uh, was a nine bark plant um, called Darts Gold was the variety. And it was this beautiful uh, golden chartreuse foliaged plant and we decided that we wanted more interest um you know in the summer and it does it still does with its bark it has some pretty interest in the the winter um but we were considering this this beauty berry as well and so the american beauty berry is calicarpa americana is the latin name it grows in USDA zones 6 through 10. So we're in southwestern Ohio. We're really just right on the northern edge of where this plant can grow. Um, and it in that area, it's generally a herbaceous plant, meaning that the top will die back to the ground each year and then regrow from the base of the, you know, the crown of the plant, the roots. And um and still, it still grows three to six feet tall by three to six feet wide, even if it dies back. It, you'll you'll kind of be on the smaller range of this. So if if you're in a slightly southern region compared to zone six, uh, you will likely not have dieback every year. You might get occasional dieback, um, but there's a benefit to that, which is that the um, the berries. The beautiful berries that this plant is known for, um, they grow on new growth. So even if you have one that doesn't die back to the ground, it doesn't hurt to kind of cut it back each year to encourage new growth. Um, so cut it back in like very late winter before growth starts to happen, before it buds out. Um, okay, this plant prefers moist soils, either sand or clay soil. Um, so it's kind of a widespread there of types of soil, but it, overall it prefers moisture. And it has these beautiful bright lavender pink berries in late fall through early winter. And um, so another cool thing is it'll kind of bring some birds in if they start to discover this plant. And they'll munch on those berries and it gives you more interest in your landscape with the with the fauna that you can attract. Uh, the berries occur, like I said, on new growth. And there are two varieties of the American Beauty Berry that I want to point out um, 
One is the variety Lactea, which has white berries. That's L-A-C-T-E-A. Um, these notes are in the show notes, so you can check it out if you're interested. Um, they have white berries instead of the, the lavender pink. To be honest, I'm not sure why you would do this because I think the pink ones are just absolutely gorgeous. Um, unless for, for whatever reason that, you know, it just doesn't fit in your landscape. The color doesn't match. But again, this is a late fall through early winter, so there's very little color. And this, like, giant pop of color is just a like such a welcome note to the end of the year. Um, and then there's another variety called Welch's Pink, and these are more of a bright pink color compared to your lavender pink. So if you prefer like the, the bright pink compared to like the purplish pink, um, you can get that variety. Otherwise, the straight, straight species does pretty well. Um, now, there are, I want to caution you or let you know that there are several varieties of uh, Asian beauty berries out there. And there's only the one species of American natives, which is the Calicarpa americana. And then there's uh, several other species. One is Calicarpa dichotoma. I can't remember the others off the top of my head. Um, but they have several varieties, uh, cultivated varieties as well. They're much more common in the landscape, uh, you know, supply profession. Now, the reason I don't specifically recommend these is because these plants, uh, like a lot of other berry producing plants that are not, um, indigenous to the, you know, to our United States, um, if you're listening from the United States is that these can be spread by birds and, and become, uh, naturalized and and kind of you know people call them invasive and so they can start growing in the natural uh you know naturalized areas where they might outcompete other plants that are important in that area and so for that reason i don't necessarily recommend those varieties although they do have similar beauty to them um very similar plants as far as how they look and that sort of thing um they are a little smaller in stature some of them so if that's something you're interested in maybe, but again, I'd be careful with, you know, um, how this, uh, affects our broader landscape that we need to more and more increasingly, uh, be aware of as it becomes less and less, uh, available. Okay. So enough on that. Let's get into our main topic, which is my DIY landscaping mistakes, blunders, mess ups, whatever you want to call them. Um, I wanted to just basically spend today's show to talk about how, you know, we're all human, right? We all make mistakes. And I'm certainly willing to admit that when, when you know, in the very rare circumstance I make one. <laughs> um, but I just want to point out that, you know, a lot of this DIY landscaping stuff is daunting. And that's because of the fear of making a mistake, fear of messing something up that can be, you know, very expensive, very dangerous potentially, or, co- you know, costly uh, to damaging to your house or, or, or whatever, right? So there are risks to it. And that said, um, it's, if you know, you know, a few certain principles about things going in, it's, it's pretty easy to avoid some of those, you know, dangerous and costly mistakes. And then the other mistakes are more like design type mistakes where it's like, okay, maybe we shouldn't have planted this here. or Oh, you know, I didn't realize this was going to obscure the view here or whatever, you know, kind of more stylistic things or experiential type things, not necessarily like damaging things. And that's where most of the mistakes happen is those, you know, more experiential and design type mistakes. And so 
as long as we can cover, you know, not making the major mistakes like messing up utilities, messing up our foundation, um, growing something right underneath power lines, you know, some of those basic things, um, we can avoid the major mistakes and have the confidence to move forward, I guess is what I'm getting at. So I want to just show you that I have made mistakes. I'm currently, as I was writing these notes, I realized there's things I've actually recommended on this show that I have not done on our property and I need to do that. And so I'm willing to admit that, you know, I guess in a little bit, I'm talking out of two sides of my mouth there and I will make sure I try and rectify this for one, um, because it's very important. So we'll get into those topics. Um, and so I just want you to know that even though I am I am very passionate about landscape design, DIY landscaping, I'm in the thick of it with our home right now of transforming our landscape, um, that I've still made mistakes. I will continue to make mistakes. Part of it's just my, you know, my nature. We, we have a tendency to do certain things that are kind of like blunders or, you know, not just not the best way to do things. And so that's what I want to show you today is it's okay. It happens. And it's, you know, it's better to try and do something than to do, to do nothing at all is, is kind of how I feel. And so I want to give you the confidence to move forward, to make a positive change in your landscape, or at least attempt it. And, and you'll likely be surprised at the outcome. It won't be perfect. Okay. I am telling you right now, it will not be perfect. You will make mistakes and that's okay. All right. As long as we, you know, adhere to those main safety things and that sort of thing, nobody's going to get hurt and maybe that things won't be just perfect, but it most likely will be good enough and it will improve your landscape. It will improve the value of your home and it'll improve the pride you have in your landscape overall. And that's the key takeaway here. Okay, so let's jump in and talk about how I've messed things up. So the first mistake I've made is actually one that I've recommended here on the show and it is very important and I need to do it. And I've, you know, it's kind of gotten me into some trouble with some of the plants I've selected in our landscape. And that is I haven't done a soil test of our property, across our property. Soil tests are really helpful. They can tell you a lot without making too many assumptions and it can help you kind of modify your landscape if necessary or more importantly select the right plants to grow in your conditions soil tests help you understand you guessed it your soil right so uh surprise surprise and it's important to know some certain characteristics of your soil because there's so many differences in the type of material that makes up your soil um, a lot of the various characteristics so some of the important factors just to name a few are your ph your organic matter your organic content um, and the macronutrients present in your soil also, whether or not you have contaminated soil, so you know heavy metal toxicity or something like that, um, those are all really important things, really helpful things as you go forward with selecting plants for your landscape, or whether you need to modify uh, your existing space. Which usually, I actually prefer the first because, in the long run, if you select hardy plants that grow in your existing conditions, it's much easier than trying to select plants that grow in different conditions and continuing to have to modify modify the conditions that you already have over time and likely dealing with some issues long term as you know it doesn't fit into your landscape so i do have an episode about this which is really helpful and it's episode 11 
It talks about soil and why it matters. And basically, I go into all these different details and various aspects of soil. And really, soil is the foundational basis of our outdoor landscape. And it's really, really important to understand your soil so that way you can select the right plants for your space and your soil out front in your yard might differ from the soil in your side yard and your backyard. And so it's really important to understand the topography of your landscape, how it's maybe been affected by development, uh, compaction, for example, and and by solar exposure and erosion and, and those sorts of things. And so that way you can select the right plants for your space and deal with fewer maintenance issues long term as you select the right plants that are happy in the place you put them. Okay, so number one, get a soil test. Don't do what I did and not do a soil test. Um, Number two, uh, oh, you know what? Actually, a great example of this is I planted some blueberry bushes out front. If you are from southwestern Ohio, you know that our our clay uh, alkaline soil, which means it's a high pH, does not do well for... Uh, blueberries. Blueberries prefer acidic conditions. They generally prefer like a a sandy or loamy soil um, or, you know, at least a loam uh, clay and not dense clay with very little topsoil and a high pH. They do prefer acidity. Um, And so, you know, if you think about it, a lot of these blueberries come from kind of um, semi-mountainous regions like the uh you know eastern united states uh in the appalachian mountains those mountainsides are acidic um and they grow in that kind of loose very shallow soils uh, very hardy plants but they don't like the soil we have in my area now i made the blunder where i was like wow we had some pine uh you know some yew bushes growing where i planted them for uh at least 20 years and so i figured those those pine needles dropping there consistently had kind of somewhat acidified the soil. Now, as it turns out, I let these blueberry bushes struggle in this area before I dug them out with our current redesign project for our front landscape, which is beautiful. And I'm super happy with the result. These blueberry bushes hadn't even, the roots hadn't even grown out of where the original pot location was. I could still see the, like the peaty soil of the pot in the center where these roots were and, and then the dense clay around it and the roots haven't even, hadn't even thought about penetrating that dense clay. And so this is just a perfect example of why you need to get a soil test and it really makes a big difference and where I messed up. Okay, next, no survey. I've talked about this again. This is the second example of things that I've talked about on this show and recommended and I realize I haven't done it on our current property. And so a survey is really important just to understand your boundaries. Uh, I mean, a lot of this goes without saying, right? So if you're developing a project, especially that encroaches upon a property line, it's really important to just have that assertive property line marked by an official survey so you know where your lines are, where your boundaries are, and what's the limit of your development, basically. It's really helpful for these projects. It also resolves potential neighbor issues. If there's a a misunderstanding of where that property line is, once you have a survey come in and do it, it's very clear where the line is. And likewise, if you're doing a construction type project, like a shed, 
It's often important to know the amount of setback from the property line. Or if you have an easement, such as like a drainage easement or a underground sewer line or an underground cable, it's important to know where those are based on or relative to the property line. And you need to make those measurements appropriately. Okay, so get a survey. Really important. Okay, next, I made an oversized, way too ambitious vegetable garden in our kind of back corner. That was another design issue is locating the vegetable garden is really important. The closer you can locate it to somewhere you walk every day, the more helpful it is because the more likely you will be walking through that without spending too much effort. Think about it. If you're on the couch watching Netflix, uh, you know, your feet propped up and everything after a long day of work, if your vegetable garden is right outside the window behind you, while you're watching Netflix versus way in the back corner of your yard, you're going to tend to the garden right outside the window and pause that Netflix way more often and way more likely than you will the one in the back of the corner of your yard. So location's important. Uh, so that was another mistake. Um, now that said, where ours is located is where it's located. And the other mistake I made with it is making it way too big. All right. So starting off way too ambitiously, I grew up with my parents having a ginormous vegetable garden, which was awesome. We put away tons of canned food each year from our garden and enjoyed the bountiful harvest throughout the winter and into the spring until we could provide fresh food from the garden again. And that was pretty awesome. I wanted that in our property. And so I made this giant plot that was going to be a garden and then I ran out of time. And so basically what I have is a giant weed patch that I prefer to call a naturalized area of attracting beneficial <laughs> uh, organisms to our landscape. But the reality is it was intended to be much more productive than it is now. And I just haven't had the capacity to tend to all that space. And so what I would recommend is make sure you start small. Start small. You can do an awful lot. That's the other thing I've learned is you can do a ton in a very small space. So the more constrained you make it from the beginning, the more creative you'll be, the better you utilize your space, and the more likely you'll be able to manage it and tend to it properly to get a more bountiful produce per square foot. Okay. Um, and so, I mean, people grow a ton of food in a small four foot by six foot raised bed. People grow a lot of food each year in just a small plot like that. So think of what you can do with a small space. And as you become more successful and know that you can establish a good healthy habit, which is really important, then you can expand and start to slowly expand from there. Okay. So if you want to learn anything else about that, I have an episode, episode 31 talks about front yard vegetables. So these are vegetables that are attractive, that are so nice that you can actually integrate them into your current garden bed right out front where you walk by them every single day and take care of them as needed. So check that out. All right, mistake number three or number four is buying clearance plants. Now this can be an okay thing if you do it the right way. But let's face it, if you're one of those clearance people that loves to get a good deal, a lot of times you're not thinking design-wise. Where is this plant going to go? Did I plan it out properly? Or am I just really excited that this is a great deal and I'm going to get this plant and, and I'll figure out where I put it later? 
All right. <laughs> this is something I've done many times and I will probably do again. And I did it this year. I did it last year. And even though I like to consider myself a designer, um, I just, especially if they're plants I love, I have a hard time passing up. I mean, Lowe's had a bunch of, for example, I, I'm really big into grasses right now, native grasses. They had a bunch of uh, uh, blue stem and switchgrass on clearance for a dollar a pot. It was like, ah, oh, gotta have these. And I haven't quite figured out where they're going to go in our landscape yet. Um, and so right now they're sitting kind of in a holding location, still in the pot, Um Luckily, I didn't invest too much money in them, uh, and they should do well surviving the winter. That all said, it's really important when you're selecting plants to plan for them first. Plan where you're going to design them in and and what you need in that space, both from a planting needs. So again, going back to your soil types, your solar exposure, your water requirements, um, what water is available there, um, that sort of stuff. It's really important to understand all of that. Plus, from a design standpoint, the the size, stature, structure, um, growth habit of these plants, um, color, all of those things are very important to figure out first before you go ahead and make any purchases. So it's much better to do a full-on design first or, you know, most of a design first to understand pretty specifically what you need in that space and then go select plants. So that's why buying clearance plants is generally not a good thing. Um, Instead, unless, of course, there are plants you specifically are looking for in your landscape already. If that's the case, maybe it's a great deal. Otherwise, you're you're probably going to end up with a lot of random plantings, which creates some design and maintenance issues long term. So, so I have, I have two uh, plants I've planted out front, two shrubs, and one is a dogwood, another is a service berry. So they're kind of shrubs slash small tr- small trees. I, they're both planted independently as a solo planting, which is from a, a an aesthetic point of view not the best thing to do, and also from a maintenance point of view, they're kind of a hassle. Because basically, as I'm mowing the lawn, that goes right up to the edge of each of these plants. I have to mow a circle around each one and go around it as I'm mowing it. Just the more you do that, the more, um, you know, the more irregular your mowing has to become and the more work it becomes. It sounds small, but as you do it uh, repeatedly, it, it really adds up. And so it's not worth it. Okay. So you end up with random plants that cause maintenance and design um, issues you you deal with unplanned locations for these plants, as I kind of mentioned already. And also, the thing I haven't mentioned yet about clearance plants is sometimes, a lot of times, they could be damaged or diseased, either just from lack of care at the end of the season, or they got put on clearance because somebody sprayed them with too much uh, fertilizer directly on the foliage, uh, or, you know, they're diseased or having issues or something. So um, that's just the reality. All right, next point. Planting without design. We already kind of talked about this with the buying the clearance plants, but you end up with hodgepodge plantings or kind of random plantings, which cause you maintenance issues, also causes you design coherence issues. So really important. Now, that's all I'm going to say about this for now, except for go over to episode 43. If you have issues of just slapping in plants, hey, again, 
I'm confessing to my own mistakes here, so it's okay. All right. Uh, I've done this many times, and so this isn't something I'm pointing fingers anywhere but myself right now. So, But if you also have this tendency, check out episode 43, which is how to design your yard like a pro. So that'll have some awesome tips to help you really figure out how to design your yard like a pro. Okay. All right, next one, demolition of stuff without a replacement plan, okay? So what I mean here is if you tend to rip things out because they're frustrating you. Um, I talked with a client a while back where they had just this overgrown fence and they wanted to rip everything out. It's like, okay, you can do that. However, you've got to figure out what you're going to replace it with and replace it with something that will outcompete things from growing back in that same space, causing the same exact issue you currently have. Likewise, I've done this. I just did this in our front yard when we moved in because I was so frustrated. We had these giant overgrown yew bushes that uh, I've talked about already in this episode and in many other episodes i i really didn't like these yew bushes obviously if you don't know what a yew bush is it's uh, also known as taxis um it's this like evergreen bush that you see pretty much in front of every house in the 1950s uh they're you know trimmed into these block forms and stuff um and they're just kind of I'll, I'll admit they kind of look hideous to me and and just not fun so anyway we had these overgrown bushes all across the front of our house i didn't like them so of course i ripped them out but the problem was i didn't really have a plan for what to do next i didn't have the time the resources to really go in there and do the work to replace stuff until this past year so that was like four years ago, I ripped these things out. So we had four years of basically, uh, just an empty dirt weed bed and it was horrible. It was horrible to look at. And in retrospect, it was actually probably better gasp. I don't know. I can't, I can't believe I'm actually saying this, but it was actually probably better to leave those yew bushes in place just because they would have prevented tons of weed issues that we ended up having there. They they wouldn't have been replaced by scrawny little blueberry bushes that did nothing. And they would have just at least filled in the space. All right. So it's better to have something that's there filling the space than to create a void, a vacuum that's going to create an ongoing maintenance issue instead. Okay. So that's really important. Um, Next bit. uh, Let's see. This is my last one. So we have one, two, three, four, five, six. This is number seven. So I had six blunders. I talked man, I make a lot of mistakes. All right. um, Next thing. Assuming things will not change around us. This is a big one. Uh, because we kind of all fall into this trap somewhat, I think. You know, change is tough for people, right? Especially when it's not something you're doing. You're not instigating the change, then it it can be difficult a lot of times. And this is really what I'm talking about here is, is we are bordered by, let's see, one, two, we're bordered by four properties on our property line. And I guess four in like a tiny, 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 tiny little sliver of a fifth one. And of those five properties that adjoin us, We have influence over zero of those properties, okay? And that's the reality. Yeah, you might say, well, you can influence it through your HOA or your zoning code or whatever. Yes, you could. Um, It's generally not a fun thing to do. I'll just let you know that out front. Um, 
But also, really, you don't control what those people do with their property. It's their property, just like we don't want people controlling what we do on our own property, right? If you want to change the color of your mailbox, you want to change the color of your mailbox, right? If you want to cut your grass, you want to cut your grass. If you want to plant a tree, you want to plant a tree. You get my drift, right? And so we can't control what people do with other properties. And so what happened with us is we moved into this this rundown house needed tons and tons of repair inside and out landscape house structure um and one of the things we loved about it was out our backyard we boarded up against a farm it was the last one of the last remaining farms in our subdivision and you probably guess where this is or not in our subdivision in our township and you probably guess where this is going and so this beautiful farm used to be a horse farm actually and when we moved in there were actually a few horses there every once in a while you could peep out and see the horses kind of grazing through beautiful farmhouse white farmhouse up on the hill a little pond up there it's just so quaint such a quaint view and there was this beautiful I mean, it was filled with, you know, honeysuckle, which is in it, you know, uh, so-called invasive around us, but it was still a, a beautiful buffer strip in between the farm and us that just gave us a nice gap feeling of privacy, um, with a beautiful view at the same time. And so that was awesome until a year and a half after we moved in, it was decided that they were going to develop that space. Surprise, right? Okay, we live in the sprawling suburbs. There's a farm. It's not really being used anymore. Of course, it's going to get sold for millions of dollars and get developed. And so now we stare out at these mega homes behind us that sold for massive amounts of money are squished together on tiny little plots, smaller plot than our property. So instead of having this quaint farm behind us, we now stare at the backs of these megalithic homes. And, and so the reality is that we can't control that. We kind of knew that this was going to happen eventually. We just didn't expect it to happen right away. And, Assuming things like this, having certain expectations, can lead to unnecessary disappointment. And instead, embracing the reality that we don't control that space and it may change. You know, we may get different neighbors that we don't enjoy what they do with their property or uh, the property may get developed or there might be a home that gets demolished and, and you know, becomes a, a, a new construction or whatever, right? We can't really influence that. Instead, we should focus on influencing our own property. Okay, and that can really add to, uh, I guess, increase a lot of the peace and contentment you have in your life with your own property. And as things change, if you don't like it, you try and adapt to it as best you can instead of being upset about the change that's happening that you can't control. Okay, (laughs) this is actually, I mean, I have to give myself this lesson, right? Again, I'm talking about my mistakes, I'm not lecturing here. And and likewise, we we tell this to our five-year-old who's dealing with this a lot right now, is dealing with things outside of his own control. He gets really worked up about. And, and we all do, right? We all tend to do this. And so it's it, we need that constant reminder that whether or not we're upset about this, this change is going to happen. And so we can choose how we react to it. And we can react to it negatively and let it affect us very negatively. Or we can try and adapt to it and figure out just how to make the best of the situation. And so I guess that's kind of the message I'm trying to give here. Now, I actually recorded, again, another episode on this. Episode 15, I talk about living with neighbors and how to really try and set up the best 
relationship possible. Sometimes it just doesn't work out. And that's the reality, unfortunately. But most of the time, we can make it work. It's not always going to be roses and, you know, beautifulness or whatever, but we can try and make it work. It takes some effort sometimes. And so I have a lot of tips there on how to try and enhance and set up the best situation to to live with your neighbors in a way that you can be mutually happy, if not, you know, cordial. Okay, that's pretty much a wrap for today. And really, again, to kind of come full circle with what I talked about at the beginning of the show, my intent here is to give you the confidence to move forward and make a positive change in your landscape and that sometimes mistakes happen. And if you want to help with, you know, kind of becoming more confident and some doing some of this stuff, check out the Easy Living Yards membership. Go on over to ely.house slash membership. Now, aside from the membership, Let's also talk about some of the links we talked about in today's show. You can check out the show notes or go to ely.how slash episode 54. And there's a link there to today's plant, the American Beauty Berry, if you're interested in checking that out. Also links to the previous episodes I talked about, all about healthy soil, how to design your yard like a pro, front yard vegetables, and living with neighbors. All right. I also have a, a link to a f- my all of my free resources. So if you want an expert guide, the ultimate DIY mailbox installation guide, I have that in that link or on my free list. I also have links to awesome plant guides. If you just need help selecting some low maintenance plants, uh, I have I have a link in there on finding your passion. Which how's that have anything to do with landscaping, right? Well helping us find our passion helps us give direction and and directs us to prevent doing needless tasks in our landscape and spending you know working to improve our landscape to become beautiful and low maintenance so then we can spend more time on what we're passionate about and what really is meaningful in our lives so that's really important to me and so that's why i have an awesome free resource there so if you want to check out these free resources uh they're free downloads you just go over there and check them out um and others like it also i have a rain calculator if you want to figure out if you're putting in a rain garden or need to know how much drain drainage comes off your roof if you're putting in new rain tanks rain containers or whatever. Check that out. I have tons of resources over there. Go check them out. Also, if you have any questions, you can just drop a link or or drop on over to ely.how slash pod. I have a link in the show notes, of course, to ask a question. And right at the top of the page there, there's a, a button that says ask a question. You can get in touch with me. I'll help you out. All right, guys, I have enjoyed this episode and these this self-deprecating uh, expose of my mistakes. And uh, I hope you've enjoyed it, too. I hope it helps you feel more comfortable and confident in your own DIY landscaping and realizing that it's OK to make mistakes. It's better to try and make mistakes than to do nothing at all. All right, guys, thanks for tuning in. Make sure you live with passion and make tomorrow better than today. 